All right. Well, turn your Bibles if you can to Psalm 131. Psalm 131. Short psalm. Not many verses to this psalm, but there is a lot that we can get out of it for sure. Psalm 131. I've entitled this message, A Quiet Soul. A Quiet Soul. Psalm 131. I think there's lots of folks out in the world today that are definitely looking for that. Looking for a quiet soul in their life. And what are some things that maybe we can see that uh, David showed us here in this psalm that maybe we can... Um, how we can find that, a quiet soul. quiet soul has the idea of, of someone that uh, isn't restless, perhaps in their spirit. We all know what it's like to have a restless spirit and, uh, and to maybe kind of even be overwhelmed in life or uh, maybe sometimes, sometimes in life, maybe perhaps in a place of maybe where we're not quite content uh, with our life. Now, the Bible tells us that godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, and so one of the things we definitely want to try to have in our life, of course, is godliness, but we also want to try to uh, strive to have contentment because the Bible says a man that has that, that is something that will benefit him, uh, that it is something that the Bible says is a great gain to our life. And listen, we can be, uh, the idea of being content doesn't mean that we have a million dollars in the bank, doesn't mean that, you know, uh, it doesn't even mean that uh, we have the nicest car, the nicest clothes, the nicest house, and doesn't mean any of those types of things. Uh, uh, contentment is far beyond anything than what this physical world can supply. The idea of contentment has the idea that no matter what really, uh, no matter what really you have, uh, that in your soul you are content with that which what God has blessed you with. Uh, and I know that in this world uh, we uh, we find a lot of con we find a lot of joy or or a lot of happiness. May I should say in the things that uh, that we are able to uh, possess. Uh, but contentment actually goes a little deeper than that. It goes a little further than really that. Uh, happiness just in the things that we uh, that we have is, is very fleeting and it's really very shallow and very superficial. And what I mean by that is this is that we can get a we can have a brand new car and we can be happy with it for a while but but as we all know when the payment comes in it's we're not as happy as we used to be. Uh, or, you know, uh, we can have lots of other things. Like, listen, we can have everything in life. We can have everything paid for. But, and, 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 uh, and all these things, um, haven't brought us a temporary happiness. But listen, you can have, you can have everything paid for, but still in your spirit be restless because all those things that you have really are just shallow and not really doing anything to you on the inside, you know, down deep. Uh, and so what we see here tonight, uh, is David who is talking about something that goes a lot deeper than just something that's just on the just on the surface, uh, something that's a whole lot more meaningful, perhaps, uh, as we see here in this text. And it's only just a few, just three verses, but in these three verses, I think David shows us, God shows us some things that we can do in our life. I think to help us to uh, have peace in contentment, you know, uh, godliness in contentment, uh, despite uh, what we have or the lack thereof. Uh, and so let's take a look at this here tonight. When we think about a quiet soul, and those that may be perhaps looking for that very thing, I, I desire a quiet soul in my life, but understanding this quiet soul is not going to come from necessarily the things that I just have in this world. It's going to come, I think, as we're going to see, as a love and a personal relationship with the God of heaven. And so let's take a look at it here tonight. The Bible shows us, we begin there, Psalm 131, let's just read all three verses and then we'll go back to the very first one. 
The Bible says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. As we begin there in verse 1, one of the very first truths I want us to see tonight is, of course, I think, we see the humility of King David. Now, King David, he was a man that he was in charge of a lot of things. Of course, he was the king of the nation. Uh, but even, but even King David, he, he understood that there was, that even though he was king, that even though he was in a very prominent position, he understood that there was a God in heaven that judged the affairs of men, that he himself, that even though he uh, was a king, that there was still a king that was over him that he was subject to. That there was someone that was still a God in heaven that was over him that he himself had to answer to. By the way, uh, he ruled over his kingdom. By the way, he uh, uh, treated his own people. And so here in this text, he says there in the very first verse, he says, Lord, my heart is not haughty. One of the things that David learned, of course, is, uh, is what it's like to have a prideful heart. Uh, David learned some hard lessons because of having one, but he also understood how God felt about it. Uh, and we read in the verses uh, in the Bible, such as uh, understanding how God says that God resists uh, the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And I think that's something that David as well was, was learning in his life. And what he desired was to have God's grace. He desired to be a godly man. I mean, the Bible says that David was a man that was after God's own heart. But understanding that David was a man just like you and me. And as the Bible says, Elijah, a man with, with uh, like passions such as you and I. And so they were just people. And they had their moments when they were on the mountaintops. They had their moments when they were in the valleys. And they had their moments when they were uh, really succeeding and doing really well. But then they also had their moments when things were not so good. And we read about those in the Scriptures. But we see right here in this text that David says, Lord, he says, my heart, uh, he says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. As he comes before God, we see that David desires a satisfaction that doesn't come from this world. He's desiring a, a serenity in essence of his, of his soul to be content with God and how God is working and using him in his life. David understands, of course, and just like we do tonight, that spiritual growth is a process and it's not something that just happens overnight. But he also understands that even as a child that there are things that we've got to learn. And as a child that we, we go through things and we learn things and on, a, on a certain level, but at a point there is a, a time where we grow and we mature. And David, in essence, that's what he desired to do in his life. He wanted to, to grow and mature. And here in this text, we're going to see that. And there in verse 1, part of that spiritual growth was, was he says, Lord, my heart is not haughty. I'm not prideful. Uh, I, I, my eyes are not, my, he says, my eyes, uh, uh, my, uh, nor my eyes lofty. Uh, he didn't want to have a prideful heart. And the other thing he didn't want to do is we think about your eyes being lofty. What does that mean? Well, it has the idea of, now, if you, in essence, lifting up your eyes, kind of like a loft is up, is up high, has the idea of you lifting up your eyes and looking down on other people. And so he says, Lord, my eyes are not lofty. I'm not looking down on other people. 
I still, I, I may be, I may be the king of Israel, but I still know who's the king of heaven. Amen. I still know who the king of earth is. Uh, and so David said, God, he said, I don't want to, I don't want a prideful heart. I'm not coming to you with a prideful heart. I don't want pride to run, to, uh, to run in my life and ruin my life. And he says, but I'm also a man that I'm not going to look down on other people. He says, Lord, I, I'm no different than anybody else. I'm no better than anybody else. He says, God, in essence, there in verse one, Lord, I'm coming to you with my heart there. He says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. I'm not, I'm not looking down on anybody. I don't have a prideful heart. He says, nor, watch this now. He says, neither do I exercise myself in great matters. Uh, and what we see there is not only is he saying, I don't want to have a prideful heart. Not only am I a man that's not looking down on other people, uh, uh, you know, but I'm also a person that doesn't have selfish ambitions. Notice there in verse 1, he says, Neither do I exercise myself in great matters. Now, we understand what exercise is. Now, if you exercise, you're exercising to the, for, for the purpose of becoming better or becoming greater, uh, 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 or perhaps you think about a person that is... Uh, maybe perhaps they are uh, training for a marathon or something. And so they, like Miss Kim, she does a lot of running. Uh, and so we think about maybe like Miss Kim, and as he trains, you know, for uh, maybe perhaps throughout the year for things, uh, for races that are greater, she, she runs uh, uh, maybe a track here, or she runs a track here, or she runs something here, or she runs something there uh, to get her prepared and ready for maybe something that she signed up for later. Uh, that may be greater or, or longer or maybe tougher than these other things for the purpose of achieving. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. I'm just saying, I'm just using this as an example that he says what I don't want to do because I don't want to exercise myself in selfish ambitions. I don't want to exercise myself. I don't want to put a lot of effort. I don't want to put a lot of, uh, of strain. I don't want to put a lot into something that's not going to further me down the road. God, if you're not going to bless it and you're not going to be involved in it, uh, then Lord, I don't want to exercise myself with my own, uh, my own selfish ambitions. Uh, and so he shows us right here. He says, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. He says, God, I don't want to exalt myself in essence where I don't need to be exalted. I don't want to place myself where I don't need to be placed. And I definitely don't want to exercise myself to get there. God, if I get there, I want it to be because of your blessing. Does that make sense? I don't want to exercise myself to get there. God, if I get there, I want it to be because you put me there. I want it to be because you blessed me to get there. I want it to be because of, uh, uh, because of you, you empowered me to get there. I don't want to get there because I, I did it on my own. As the Bible says, without me, you can do nothing. Uh, Jesus said, I don't, I don't want to get there because I feel like I put my place there. I don't want to get there because it was my effort and my strength and all of that. He says, no, if, if I get anywhere in life, I want it to be because you helped me to get there because you empowered me because you strengthened me he doesn't want to have a haughty heart he doesn't want to have a prideful heart and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to be a person whose eyes are lofty that are looking down on other people and he also doesn't want to have selfish ambitions about himself uh, uh, to where he's exercising himself to get somewhere he wants God to be involved he wants God to be a part of what he's doing uh, and so we can see that in verse one. We can see the humility of his heart. Uh, one of the one of the things that helps us as we grow in our Christian life is, of course, to uh, is of course to be a humble person, and that comes, of course, with spiritual growth. And as we see in verse two and three, we can see how verse one is going to tie into verses two and three, uh, because when we have a humble heart, 
Now, what it does is, is it helps us uh, to be weaned of some things. And that's what we're going to see here in verses 2 and 3. Notice what he says. As we look at his humility, we get to the next thing. And the Bible says in verse 2, Notice he says, Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. Now notice, we're talking about a weaned child. We're not talking about a, a child that is nursing. Uh, uh, and so we understand, well, now look, listen, we've all, we've all watched youngins and little babies. There's one sitting right back here in the back. And uh, we, we understand that as, uh, that as little babies, what happens when they get hungry? Well, oftentimes they start crying, do they not? What happens when little when little children are uh, when little babies are dissatisfied with? Listen, it don't take much. Listen, it does, sometimes it doesn't take very much. As a as a general whole, what the, it doesn't take normally that much to get the little child upset about some things. And he says, you know what? He says, I've learned in my life that to really be humble. I've learned in my life not to look down upon people. I've learned in my life that. That having a powerful heart isn't going to get you anywhere. I've learned in my life that exercising my own selfless ambitions without you, without your strength, without your power, without your guidance, without your direction, I've learned in my life that trying to get myself somewhere without you isn't going to get me anywhere. And he says, I've also done this. There in verse 2, he says, Surely I have behaved myself. He says, He says, and quieted myself. He says, One of the things I desire to do is to have a, uh, is to have a quiet spirit. Uh, is to have, in essence, really a contented spirit. Uh, now, sometimes a child isn't very contented in the state that they're in. Why? Because they do get hungry. Why? Because there are different things that come up in life that is very easy. They're very prone to uh, uh, very prone to get uh, hurt by things or upset by things. You know, uh, uh, such as a childish behavior goes. And he says, you know, he says, I've learned in my life not to be this uh, this this nursing child, but to be this one. Listen, there was a time for that, though, right? There was a time for that. But he says, you know, I've grown. He says, uh, you, you have given me, you have provided me exactly what I've needed. He says, but now, he says, I have disquieted. Uh, he says, now I have quieted myself. He says, I have behaved myself. I have quieted myself, a quiet spirit. He says in verse 2, as a child weaned of his mother. God has given him. He understands that God has nurtured him. He understands that God has given him all that, uh, all that's been needed, all that, uh, all that's uh, been provided to him has come from God. Just as a child who is nursing from his mother, the mother is giving that child all they need, the nourishment that they need, and and all the things that that child needs to live and and to survive and, and to and to be productive and do well. Uh, and so the, the mother is nursing that child. And when that child gets hungry, the child lets the mother and everybody else know. When the child is uh, not happy with the situation, the child lets the, the mother and everybody else know. Now, and so what we see here is he says, you know, there was a time for that, of course. He says, but you know what? I've grown in my life because I've learned not to be not to be selfish in my ambition, not to look down on other folks. Remember, not to have a powerful heart. He says, I've learned in this process of walking with God that I want to be is. He says, he says, I want to be in this place to where I am behaving myself and I am quieting myself. I am learning just as a child that is weaned of his mother. Now, uh, in the whole weaning process, sometimes. Sometimes the weaning process cannot always be that very fun. You know, sometimes for the child, now we would say, well, that's a natural process of life. And of course it is. Uh, but for the child, the child doesn't really understand that. Uh, the child's just wondering, 
Where's my uh, Where's my next meal coming from? You know, where's uh, Where's my next provisions coming from? Where Why am I not being confident? Why am I not being taken care of? Why is this not happening? Why is this not happening? Why is that? Listen, the child doesn't understand that. But we, as mature, older, grown people, we understand that there's a process to the growth. But in, and in that process of growth, sometimes it may be that God may have to bring us through a place of weaning us away from things that we don't really need in our life anymore because God has some better things for us. Does that make sense? Sometimes we have, God has to have to wean us off from some things because we need better things. I think about it like this. I think about the Apostle Paul whenever he was talking to the people and he said, you know what? He said, I couldn't, he said, I could only, he said, I could only give you the milk of the word. I couldn't give you the meat of the word. See, there was a process, even in our growth, and we can see right here, where there's a time in our life where we really need the milk. Whenever we're really young, we really need these things in life. And we cry for it, we moan for it, we desire it, and that's what we really want. Uh, but then there comes this place where as we grow and as we mature, uh, that we don't go back to that same thing that we did before uh, to uh, to provide for us because now there is something better, there is something greater, there is something more mature for us to uh, to nurture on, for us to feed on. And so David, he understands this process and he says, you know what, there in verse 2, he says, surely I have behaved and quieted myself. He said, I've been an individual that has learned in life uh, to not be, uh, not to cry out over every little thing. I've learned in my life as I've been walking with God and growing with the Lord, you not to, not to just, not to continue to seek my own selfish ambitions and, and my own self-will, but to grow, but, but to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to grow in the grace and knowledge of God, to be the man or woman of God that God desires for me to be. And along in that process, there may come some times when God may have to wean us off of, of the things that maybe He has given us for the purpose because he has something better. Now, when a mother weans a child, does that mean the mother's being mean? Of course not. Of course it does not. Uh, when a mother's weaning the child, doesn't mean that doesn't mean the mother's being mean. The the mother is weaning the child for the purpose of growth, for the purpose of maturity, uh, for the purpose of showing and demonstrating to this child that there is uh, that there is something better, there's something greater, uh, that there is uh, that there is uh, 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 this time that you need to be feeding and nurturing on some other things that's going to give you more strength and more stability in your life. Uh, and so right here, David understands that. And he says, surely I have behaved and quieted myself. And so when we think about our lives here tonight, we think about, you know, uh, what is it? Maybe perhaps there's someone here tonight, I don't know. But maybe there's someone here tonight that says, you know, in my spirit, I'm really not quiet. You know, maybe it is perhaps that, you know, we feel like, well, maybe I feel like God's taken this away from me, or God's done this, or God's done that, or whatever, whatever it could be. I don't know. But I do know this. I do know that, that through this scripture, and, so, and just through the course of, I think, Christian life, we see that God has a way of winning us all some things because he has something different down the road. Something better down the road for spiritual growth. And David understood that. He says, you know what? He says, I have, uh, he says, I have behaved and quieted myself. Well, let me ask you this though. Uh, contentment is a learned process. Uh, and we think, listen, it, it, it is something that we have to, uh, it's something we have to learn to be content in life. We don't just automatically become content. It is a place where you have to learn to be content. Listen, the child, uh, eventually, as the mother is meaning the child, uh, the child's not going to like it at first, but there's going to come a point where the child's going to become content. And I think that's exactly how it is in our life, too. You know, sometimes uh, we kick and scream. You know, sometimes we're not happy with necessarily maybe how, uh, uh, 
maybe necessarily how things are going or how things are. Listen, we got to be praying to God. We say, you know, and you know, and just ask God why, why that is. But I'm just simply saying that, that in life, you know, sometimes we can be very disquieted and very uh, discomfited in, in our spirit. And we ask God, why, Lord, why, why is this happening? God, why am I going through this? And, and what purpose is this? And, and sometimes I wonder uh, if, uh, if it's maybe it's perhaps God's winning us off some things, maybe perhaps taking some things away. It's kind of like purging. You know, sometimes you got to purge the vine so, the, so that the vine can produce more fruit and bigger fruit. Sometimes the process, listen, when the husband comes by and he cuts the branches off, doesn't mean he doesn't like, doesn't mean he don't like the plant. Now he loves the plant. He's purging the plant. He's cutting those vines off that are useless. He's cutting those little suckers off because the idea is to make the idea is to make the plant more productive, to make the plant more fruitful, and so it'll bear more than what it could have before. And listen, that's not always an easy process. When God comes into our life sometimes and we feel like there's a pruning, or we feel like maybe God's maybe weaning us a little bit. Listen, sometimes we may pitch a fit, sometimes we may not like it. But David said, you know, I've learned in these times uh, to behave myself. He says, I've learned to, to quiet myself because I know, I know that my master, I know the Savior, I know that the God in heaven whom I have put my faith and trust in, uh, he desires the best for me. And so he has learned to, by being weaned, he's learned to trust. He's learned to have faith. Listen, when the child is weaned from his mother, what does, uh, does it mean that, that the mother, as we said before, does it mean that the mother has been mean to the child? No. Does it mean that the mother does anything else to the child? No. Uh, uh, so, so what is it that we see? We see that the mother has a desire to progress this child from this place to the next place to help this child to grow to help this child to mature it's not that the mother is being uh, 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 not desiring to provide for the child does the mother still provide for the child yes of course they do just perhaps in a different way is there still love there of course there is of course there is. the love hasn't changed the, the desire to, to to be the mom hasn't changed nor is it for god listen just because god may have these times where he may lean us off of some things or when he may purge our life from certain things doesn't mean that god doesn't like us doesn't mean god uh doesn't love us doesn't mean he don't want nothing to do with us uh, but it does mean that perhaps maybe in those times like david he says you know what i've learned in these weaning times of life uh, to be to behave myself and to quiet my spirit. Why is that? Because I know that God's in control. I, the, I know the husbandman knows how to prune the vine. I know that the husbandman knows how to make things fruitful. And so we in ourselves have to have that very same trust. Do I believe that God knows what he's doing? And if I honestly truly believe that in my heart, then what that's going to do is it's just going to bring a peace and a comfort and a trust in my life. Well, I will say, you know what? I'm going to behave myself, God. I'm not going to kick and scream. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Uh, you know, uh, act crazy. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do these things as a child would probably do. Uh, but Lord, because I'm growing in my spiritual life, I recognize and I see perhaps maybe what you're trying to do. So I have behaved my spirit. I have prided myself. Because I am growing and maturing and because I'm learning to put my faith and trust in you. Because listen, when that child leans from its mother, that the, the mother is still loving the child. The mother is still providing for the child. And the child sees that. And the child understands that. And so the child continues, even after the weaning process, the child still continues to come to its mother, does it not? 
for love, friendship, companionship, all these different types of things. Because the child has learned just because I was weaned off of some things doesn't mean that my mother doesn't love me. Doesn't mean that she don't want companionship with me. Doesn't mean that she doesn't want to be around me or with me. It just means that she is now providing for me in a different way in this growth process in my life. And that is exactly what God does. And David said here in the text, there in verse 2, he says, Surely I have behaved and quieted myself. He is learning to do this because of verse 1, because he doesn't have a prideful spirit. Listen, when you have a prideful spirit, it's all about who? It's all about you, is it not? Because uh, uh, we think about the word pride, and the, the middle letter of pride is what? It is I. That means everything in life surrounds you, is revolved around you, and that's how the person who is filled with pride feels. It's all about me. And listen, when we have a prideful heart, that is a, uh, uh, that is, uh, a childish heart, and it's a very dangerous heart. Listen, the child uh, is, says to itself, listen, it's all about me. It's about what I want. It's not about what you want. It's about what I want. What's going to fulfill my needs? What's going to make, what's going to make me happy? What's going to, uh, how, how am I going to be better? You know, not really worried about what you're going to th go through. Not really worried about what, uh, how much, uh, uh, effort you're going to have to give to make this happen. But it's just all about me. And David says, you know what? I've learned, uh, in this process of life, uh, to be, to be quiet in my spirit and to learn to be content. One of the things I had to learn to do was not to have a prideful heart. The other thing I had to learn to do was not to have lofty eyes and lift up my eyes upon everybody else and think that I'm better than other people just because um, I may have this or just because I may be that or just because I may have this position or make this much money or have this kind of car or have this kind of house or, uh, or whatever it is. He says, I've learned in my life, listen, not to have lofty eyes upon people, but to understand that in the sight of God, we're all people and that we all belong to Him and God loves us all the same. And because God, and because God is no respecter of persons, so should I be. Amen. And so we also see here that he says, I've also learned there in verse one, how did I get to this place by not exercising myself in great matters or things too high for me? Uh, not trying to place myself in positions on my own, but God, uh, uh, but God, me getting there because of you, because of your strength, because of your appointment, because of what you desire for me in my life. Not trying to get there on my own. Verse two, he says, surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. He says, this is what my soul is like. My soul is quiet. My soul is behaved. He says, my soul is in essence as a weaned child. I'm learning to grow. I'm learning to develop. I'm learning God to be quiet in my spirit. Even though I'm not always, even though I may not necessarily always be getting the things that I want, even though things may not always be going the way that I desire for it to go, God, I trust in you and I believe in you. And so I'm still going to come to you just as a child still comes to its mother even after the child has been weaned. The child still trusts in its mother. The child, the child still comes to its mother, still desires to be loved by its mother. And so we see there in verse 2 that that's exactly what has taken place. He says, my soul is as a weaned child. So we can see, I think the verse truth is humility. The next truth there in verse 2 is heart. That he learned to always trust in God. He learned to have a uh, to be restful in his spirit because of a lot of people that are not. And the reason why they're not is because of their own selfish ambitions, because of their prideful hearts. 
because of their arrogance, maybe perhaps in life. There in verse 3, we get the last one and we can see hope. He learned how to have hope. And this hope that he's seen, the Bible says there in verse 3, he says, Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. One of the things that David understood there in verse 1, he, he did a self-examination of himself, of the things that he didn't want, didn't desire in his life, and was doing everything he could to push that stuff away. And then there in verse 2, he talked about the in, really the inward part of himself that says, you know what, I'm talking about my spirit. I, I have a, a quiet spirit. I've learned to be this type of way through a process of weaning in my life. And then there in verse 3, it's brought him to this place of hope. And of course, we understand hope Especially back then, uh, it was uh, uh, it was a word that meant something of uh, of of an assurance, not something that we just may happen today. That word hope has kind of changed over time. Back then, it was something that really meant more of a that's something that was more of a promise or more of an assurance. Today, it's kind of changed its meaning a little bit to where it's something that could happen or may not happen. Here, David is saying, you know what? Let Israel put their assurance. Let Israel put everything they got. Notice he says there in verse three. Uh, let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forevermore. Let, 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 let the nation of Israel trust in God. See, now David understood that understood this was a process that he went through, but it says, you know what, not only is this something that I need to do, but this is something that the nation needs to do. This is something the nation needs to understand. That all of us, this is not just me, but that all of us need to understand this process of growth. That all of us need to make sure that we're not prideful in our hearts. That all of us need to make sure that we're not arrogant and looking down upon other people. That all of us need to make sure that we're not exercising our selfish ambitions in our life and trying to place us in places where we ought not be uh, and trying to do things outside of the blessings of God. He said, but he says, all of us need to understand this. He says, we all need to grow in the grace and knowledge of God in essence and that to come to a place where we can have a quiet spirit that we will behave ourselves and be as a child weaned of his mother a person that's growing spiritually in the Lord and maturing in his life because there in verse 3 because I need to learn to trust in the Lord so we can see the hope that he's that he was showing the nation there in verse 3 that their hope is going to be in the Lord it's not going to be in themselves there in verse 1, about his own selfish ambitions and trying to get yourself somewhere, he says, listen, it's not, uh, you're not going to find hope. You're not going to find assurance in yourself. You're not going to find the assurance out here in this world. You're not going to find it there. He says, but one of the places, the one place you will find assurance, the one place you will find hope, the one place you, you will find strength is in the Lord. And he says, and this is something the nation needs to do. He says, let Israel hope in the Lord. And notice he says, from hence forth and forever. See, what I like about the word when it says henceforth and forever, we understand that there was from henceforth means that um, if I say from henceforth, that means that there is a beginning. Does that make sense? That means from this point, from, from this place, from this place on, that means that there's a beginning. And so he says, from this place on, from now on, from this time on, on forever. So when it says from henceforth, let us let us trust in God, let us hope in God, let us assure ourselves in God from now on, from this time and forever. There has to become a place in sometime in our life and we're going to say, you know what? I'm not going to keep trusting in myself. 
I'm not going to keep trusting this world. But I'm going to put my faith and trust in God of heaven who can provide for me, who can strengthen me, who can help me, who can bring a who can bring a who can help to bring a quiet spirit to my life. And so it says from henceforth, from this moment on, so we ask ourselves here tonight. If I have a disquieted spirit, if I feel restless in my spirit about something, or if I feel like maybe I'm going through a purging time, or maybe I'm going through a weaning time, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm really uh, maybe perhaps rambunctious about it, or maybe I'm not very happy about it, uh, you know, and maybe we, need to, we come to God and we say, all right, Lord, I'm not exactly sure what's going on with God. I'm coming to you with this. And we pray and we just ask God, Lord, whatever it is that's going on in my heart, and whatever it is that's going on in my life right now, God, I pray that you would help my heart to understand it, that you'd help me to realize uh, what is taking place in my life. But Lord, in the midst of it, even if I get, even if I don't understand everything that's going on, how many have ever got to a place where you understood everything that's going on? None of us have. Some, uh, sometimes we, we wish we did, but none of us here tonight have got to this place where we, we understand everything that's going on, whether it's in our life or out in the world or anything else. But there's one thing that we can learn to do in the midst of that. Even when we don't understand, even when we don't get it, and we're a little upset about it, and you know, we're kind of kicking a stir a little bit in our spirit, uh, there's one thing that we can learn to do. We can learn to say, you know what, God? I'm not going to let this get me off and out of sorts. What I'm going to do is I'm going to behave myself. You ever had your, mo ever had your mom and dad say, you better behave? Yeah. I'm going to behave myself. I'm going to behave myself. I'm going to learn how to behave myself. I'm going to be content. I'm going to learn how to be content. I'm going to learn uh, what it means to have a quiet spirit uh, when God is moving and God's doing certain things in my life. Even when I don't get it and when I don't understand it, I'm going to learn how to have a quiet spirit because I know God's not in this thing to hurt me. Right? God's not in this thing for any ill will for my life. God's not seeking to, to kick me when I'm down or to, to punish me or, you know, to, uh, uh, to completely beat me into submission. Listen, that's not what God's trying to do. I think we understand does God give correction? Yes, there's a difference between correction and punishment. And, and I think we've got to understand, too, that in these moments and we, when we uh, maybe are going through uh, these difficult times when we don't understand, we say, you know, God, because I know who you are, because I know that this is the kind of God that I serve. Lord, I'm going to be quiet in my spirit. I'm not going to be, I'm going to behave myself. I'm not going to, as we would tell our kids, maybe when they're growing up, you know, and sometimes they, uh, you ever been like this? You ever said, you know what? I've done this for you. I've done this for you. I've done this for you. And I've done this for you. And I've done this for you. I gave you this. I gave you this. I gave you this. I bought you this. I bought you this. I bought you that. I said no one time, and now you acting like this. <laughs> you know where I'm coming from. So I think sometimes it's kind of the same. It may be in our own life, where sometimes God's saying, "You know what? I've given you so much. I am providing for you. I am giving to you." But you know, uh, there. I'm in this. You know, maybe maybe we're in this process. And maybe God's saying, "Listen, no." Or maybe God's trying to wean us off of something. Or maybe God's trying to uh, just do, maybe God's just purging something in our life so that we can be fruitful, so that we can be you know, uh, more strengthened than something later on down the road that we do not even see yet. And so we have to learn to behave ourselves and not get cantankerous in our life because we got to say, you know what, God, I know what you're doing. I believe in you. I trust in you. I know the God that I serve. 
And I know you want what's best for me. What does Jeremiah 29 11 that we, we like to quote a lot and like to say a lot? That God, he knows, the, he knows the plans he has for us. Amen. To give us an expected end. God knows. He has a desire. He has a plan for us. And so we just say, God, I'm just trusting in you. I'm just trusting in you. And he tells the nation of Israel, that's what they need to do the same there in verse 3. Let Israel hope in the Lord from this time. Now, when we say, so we say tonight, we want to end this first. We say, all right. There has to be a beginning point. So we say, all right, from this moment forward, I'm going to do what I can to have a quiet spirit and understand and behave myself in my spirit to what God is perhaps doing in my life because I trust Him. From this moment, I'm going to trust Him. From this moment, I'm going to trust Him. But but how long? So, so if I'm going to start here, how, how, many, how many days am I going to trust Him? Does the Bible say so this is my starting point. If this is the starting line, and I say tonight, God, I'm going to trust in you, even though I don't get it, even though I don't understand. Tonight I'm going to trust in you. Does, does the Bible say that now we're going to trust in you for a day? That it's going to say maybe two days or three days, maybe even a month. If we get on further down the road. Hey, let's say we go into a year. Or let's say we go into five years. Let's say we go into ten years. Now, uh, what does that, what does the very last word there say? Forevermore. So we're going to learn to trust God, not just from this moment, not just from, not just at this second and just go to the next day, but he's saying, listen, we got to learn to trust God from this time all the way through, throughout your whole life. But there has to be a beginning point to where you say, from this moment on, I'm going to trust God. From this moment on, Lord, I'm going to behave my spirit. God, from this moment on, I'm going to be quiet in my soul. Because even though I may have been weaned off some things in my life, even though I may be going through a time of purging, hey, it could be a time of correction. Hey, I don't know what it could be. But it doesn't mean that God don't love you. doesn't mean God don't want to be with you. doesn't mean God don't want to bless you. doesn't mean God don't want to be in your presence. No more than it does a mother to her child. But from this point forward, we have to make a decision. Am I going to trust God or not? Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your blessings. Lord, you've been extremely good to all of us. Lord, I pray here tonight you'd help us this evening as we think about your word. Lord, I pray that you'd help us all, uh, Lord, to have a quiet spirit. Lord, we could be restless sometimes in life. Lord, we all get that way at times. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in these times in life, Lord, to remember that we can trust in you, to remember uh, that you do provide, that you do protect, and you do want fellowship with us. Lord, I pray that you'd bless our night tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we get ready to go home this evening, that you would surround every car. God, you'd surround every family, Lord, with your love and grace, Lord, and mercy. Uh, Lord, I pray that you give us a good week. Help us to honor you with our lives. Bring us back here on Sunday. We love you and thank you for it all. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.